0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to this episode of my podcast. Today, I wanted to talk about something that has been on my mind, especially with the whole political, social climate that's been happening in the country for the past four years, but even more recently with the whole... Capitol riots and the inauguration, I wanted to talk about what it means to me growing up Asian American. And today I have a very special guest. I have my girl Elena on the phone. Introduce yourself.
1: My name is Elena and I am a Chinese American. I met Alyssa at school and that's how I kind of started bonding with her through Uh, organization that we were in and I have been in the U.S. 90% of my life and so yeah I can say I'm a qualified Asian-American.
0: Girl what are you talking about? You are. (laughs) Well
1: yeah true true true. Me
0: and Elena have been best friends for the past two years or three years. Um, I'm losing track of time but two?
1: Yeah, I think it's two and a half.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. But we met and funny enough, we bonded over a club. It wasn't until after the club meeting that I saw you at the elevators and you were like, so Alyssa. And we just started talking like in the elevator and then I saw your screensaver and it was BTS and I loved BTS. I still love BTS. And I was like, girl, you like BTS too? I'm going to their concert this weekend. Are you? And she was like, yeah up
1: wait that's how we met wait hold on Elena
0: so but no it was kind of awkward because I saw you and you're kind of the only Asian girl in the room and Uh I was like finally someone of my kind but yeah and that's how we met guys how have you been feeling about the whole social political climate now that we finally have a new president
1: I feel a little bit calmer or less stressed than I was in 2020 because as everyone has been home and they have been on their phones a lot and people have been using the media as kind of their their way out of the loneliness that they do feel at home, there has been a lot of content that was put out there by a bunch of different people of different backgrounds and specifically, I saw a lot of... Um, a lot of works put out by Asian Americans, and it was a bit relieving to see that even during a time where, you know, there was a whole year where we were the target of many, many people, we are receiving recognition from also a lot of people. And it just feels good that, you know, we're being appreciated despite what Know a lot of other people have said.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it also kind of makes me feel like we're going back, well, not going back to better times, but I feel like we are progressing in a positive direction. I mean, we have Kamala Harris, and she's the first. Woman, vice president, first black woman, vice president, first South Asian. And to me, even though she obviously has her problems, it's too early in the term to even determine how they're gonna do or how they're gonna handle running our country. But it's just so, it's so nice to see something like that happening, especially when our whole history there just hasn't been much representation and a lot of chances just weren't given to women to people of color to asians to people of all different walks of life and so for me to see kamala it's nice to finally see some asian representation more in the american media more in american politics hollywood because growing up I was the only Asian kid in my elementary school. My elementary school, it was mixed, but the majority was white people. So for the entirety of my elementary to maybe like middle school years, I was experiencing a lot of discrimination and just feeling different. I remember standing in line and this group of girls that I was really trying to be friends with, and I was like, what, first or second grade? They were kind of standing surrounding me, and they were pointing out all my flaws, like, why is your stomach that big? Why is your hair black? Why is your skin brown? And I was like, damn, like, What's wrong with me? Literally nitpicking every single aspect of my appearance. And I was just like, shit, I really feel different, especially when all of my classmates are white or white passing. And I mean, there were other Asian kids in the class, but I mean, there were only four, but I was, for some reason, people like to bully me. I was this tan Filipino girl, with black hair and dark brown almond-shaped eyes, and I couldn't help but feel different and even ostracized when sometimes during lunch I would bring, um, like, Filipino food, um, chicken adobo or, like, noodles. Uh Yeah, and it's, like, that classic story that you hear kids bringing like ethnic food to lunch and then their classmates are just like, ew, what is that? That looks so weird. It smells gross. That was something that I had experienced. And because of that, that made me want to kind of deny my own culture and my other side of my heritage and try to assimilate more into American culture into white culture, if that makes sense, to be, to assimilate to how my white classmates were. And that was something that I struggled with for, I would say, the majority of my life. But it's just something that we struggle with.
1: Yeah. And, you know, obviously, a lot of the things that Asians eat, we have a lot of spice, we have a lot of flavor. And so obviously, that would cause our food to, you know, have a certain and kind the of fragrance, you know, whether it's like rich in, um, let's say, where I'm from, we use a lot of vinegar, we use a lot of wine, and so you can smell that in the food. And so when it's a little bit weird now that I think about it, because it just shows even kids at a young age they they ostracize those who are different, and because of our food, because of our culture we were ostracized and when we went home it's kind of all we knew because you know a lot of let's say immigrant parents they don't you know those who are not as assimilated into the american culture they still when we go home you feel like you're you know You you feel that Filipino culture, you feel that Chinese culture, um, even though you're wearing like maybe American branded clothes or whatever, you know, when you go home, you speak that language or maybe you don't, but you know, your parents do. And it's kind of, it's a weird feeling because you go to school, you're like, okay, I fit in with them and then I go home again and I see my parents and it's like, well, Why didn't you eat this food? Well, because, you know, my my classmates, they said something about it and I just didn't want to eat it. And, you know, deep down, you appreciate your parents' food and, you know, you know, the work that they put behind to put that food on the table. But it's like you kind of have to deny all of that and be like, well, you know, it's not good enough. And that Mm -hmm. sounds really bad day but it is essentially how we are feeling it's like you know it's not good enough for us to fit in and now that you know we're older and I can reflect on when I I was younger it's a little bit heartbreaking to be honest to have to be a child and to experience that and then to be a parent to have to see your child be ashamed of who they are
0: yeah and yeah. that
1: whatever you're doing to help them, you know, stay true to their culture is not good enough for this country that you worked hard to be in. And so I'm glad, you know, students or kids now are more exposed, but, you know, it still is very prevalent in a lot of the kids who, you know, aren't as aware or aren't as friendly or accepting. Yeah. Um Type of things so yeah it, it is very unfortunate so when you when you brought up that it, you know I had a lot of um, kind of like that's so Reagan flashbacks <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. I I don't know if you experienced this growing up, but when people would ostracize me or made me feel discriminated against, I would try so hard, try so many different things just to fit in. I would try dressing up like them. And I remember when I was like five years old, I remember telling my mom that I wish I had blonde hair and blue eyes and I wish my skin was lighter and everything because that's what I was seeing in school. And obviously, like, when I was in school, that young, four, five, six, seven years old, um, that's a whole bunch of ages, but I didn't really know what racism was. I, like, had no concept of what it was, but I was feeling it. And I was feeling discrimination too. And my mom was just, why? You're Filipino American. And I'd be like, no, I'm just American. So that's really what I went through as a child. I experienced, unfortunately, lots of circumstances where uh, it was just it was just pure racism. I remember, again, in elementary school, my teacher was telling my mom that they needed to put me in in supplemental English classes because they wanted to get rid of my accent and so that I could speak English properly which was weird because I was born here and raised here and English is my first only and only language that I know And Mm -hmm. so I didn't have an accent growing up. I mean, my mom is an immigrant from the Philippines, so she has an accent. But my dad grew up here for the entirety of his life, pretty much. So he had an American accent, but I had an American accent and I could speak English fluently. It's it's my only language. So Mm -hmm. when they told my mom that, when my teacher told my mom that, my mom went fucking ballistic. I am grateful for the perspective that I gained from these instances of racism that have happened in my life. I'm not saying I'm grateful for racism and that I'm happy that it exists, but I'm just saying that these certain experiences that I have encountered have really changed my perspective on just how I view the world. And I view race and racial issues with more compassion. I just feel so passionate about fighting for racial justice, equality. So, yeah, I mean, there's this pain that resonates with me. Yeah.
1: Out of all the challenges that we had as a kid, racism definitely was one of the one of the biggest ones and it was more so because we can't we we can't do anything about it
0: yeah exactly
1: it's not like where you know our parents maybe they get a better job you know you move up on the socio-economic class system but you know your skin Mm -hmm. the the blood that is within you you know that never changes and so i think Having the feeling of, you know, having no choice, that is is—is like the root of the empathy and the sympathy that you give someone of color or someone of oppression.
0: And for our parents to, both our parents are immigrant parents, when my mom came to this country racism like she just kind of had to shake it off whenever she experienced it and she experienced it in the workplace really often um when mm-hmm. she first got to the United States she worked in Boston and people were saying interesting things to her asking her like oh are there hamburgers in the Philippines just well maybe it's not necessarily racist um, but just very condescending, is, questionable things. No, I mean, okay,
1: there. I like to play, you know, neutral in this setting where I, I like to give the benefit of the doubt. Like, yes, there are a lot of people who do use that type of situation to be very condescending and to look down on you, specifically relating to your culture or you know where you're from. However, it's also because I feel like we don't learn as much about the specific cultures of other countries, even though, you know, we are learning U.S. history and stuff. But, yeah. you know, I think with such a diverse country, it should be implemented for us to explore more of the rest of the world and to understand. And I think that is is like the core of Whoever, you know, that person that asked your mom, like, are there hamburgers in the Philippines? I think it's because they are uneducated and they never never really were told or cared or felt that it was important to learn about other countries like that. And, you know, it's not like they're obligated
0: to, but. Exactly.
1: It's just, it would be. You know, it's just learning something new. It's not, you know, really hurting yourself. It's just becoming more knowledgeable and understanding of others. And so I think even even during COVID, you know, there's a lot of things that um, circulated. I don't know if you saw uh, the mahjong set made by um, certain
0: creators. I saw that. Um a- talk about that because i i saw that posted on someone else's story and i didn't really look into that um i don't play Mm -hmm. mahjong so spill Mm -hmm. tea on that girl it
1: it was two um creators from america who made a, a mahjong set but it completely lacked the actual significance of what mahjong is and you know, th- like whether it was even paying homage to the, the, the looks of mahjong, you know, obviously they're making their own mahjong set. Of course, it would look different in some way. But, you know, to to take something from someone else's culture and to actually, you know, appreciate it, you, you should hmm. at least, you know, show that there's a beauty of the original of, you know, what you're sourcing this thing from. So, mm-hmm. it kind of lost that history and culture. Yeah. Um, and I think the artists that they actually used to draw those designs aren't even Asian, too. So, it was more so, like, what they perceived as, you know, passing for whatever they were making. Which was, you know, still a product of another country and another culture.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's so common this cultural appropriation and I mean there are so many arguments about cultural appropriation versus cultural appreciation mm-hmm. it's appropriation when you take something that is not yours and then don't credit the original and we mm-hmm. s- we've seen that in so many different, Fashion brands, even high fashion brands, I remember. But I've seen high fashion brands uh, appropriate different traditional clothings and attire. But I know specifically for Sheen, they've just had a bad track record of appropriating literally everything. I know yeah. th- there was this whole fiasco over the summer, and rightfully so, over Shein appropriating the prayer the Muslim prayer rug and then they rebranded it as something else and then uh, they did the same with the Shalwar Kameez which is worn by Pakistani people and Mm -hmm. they renamed it as like something else and Like, we've seen it with so many different other cultures as well. It's interesting to me because when people get caught on appropriating different cultures, maybe, like, and I want to give people the benefit of the doubt, too, that they are showing their appreciation for the culture and that they were inspired by it and that they think it's beautiful, but I find that to be, in a way, hypocritical because you never really cared about the culture, but you just you like the aesthetic of it. You don't care about the people of the culture, the cultural significance. You just like the aesthetic of it. So you're going to take pieces of that culture and that aesthetic and rebrand it as your own. And that's really problematic. Another point that I wanted to bring up was... um. So let let me backtrack a little bit. When the whole riots and siege on the Capitol building were happening, it pushed me into this whole raging spree on my Instagram story, which I have a tendency to do sometimes. I'm not proud of it, but basically in one of my posts saying how America prides itself on being so diverse and being so multicultural, we've coined ourselves as a melting pot of cultures, or a salad bowl. But when we actually think about it, we say these things, but the way we treat each other is the exact opposite.
1: And I think with that, it reminds me, I don't know why, but it reminds me of how there's like an Americanized version of everything. Yeah. Americanized version of Chinese food, which is very popular in Hand America. Express! I'm You know, you know, rep what you like, but... I still love Pana Express, though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, like, no hate. Pana Express sponsored my friend here. (laughs) Um, But, like... Yeah, you know, it's and when people think of Chinese food, they, some, you know, obviously a lot of them know that, you know, that's not Chinese food, that's not authentic Chinese food, but some still don't know, and they think that that's Chinese food, Chinese food. Or, like, you know, they go to, like, another restaurant where they experience another cultural food, and they believe that that's what it is, but it's, it's not.
0: Yeah.
1: Yep. And... <laughs> it reminds me back to the mahjong thing i'm sorry i keep bringing it up but it, no because i remember seeing that um i think they took it down already but they wrote american versus chinese mahjong what and I, was, I was like first of all american mahjong the word mahjong is chinese that's the game the game is chinese and then I think they're claiming that um, there is a lot of, uh, there's this um, other form of mahjong that was played in the U.S. and is, you know, it's not, it's not mere, it's, it's not specifically the Chinese mahjong, but it's a celebration, but with a little bit of a twist, I guess. That's how they kind of worded it, but I don't know, it's a little bit... <laughs>
0: Yeah,
1: it, was, it reminds me of a lot of like different um, culture. I think it was also like when you brought up Xi'an, they I think they called it like what like Mandarin callers, and I think maybe that's like the actual phrasing, but or te- technical um, term for it. But you know, it's just like. There's a lot of chances for you to actually explain about these things, even though maybe it might it may not be necessary. However, but it is you know a level of exposure and educate and an opportunity for education for those who don't know.
0: Yeah, I agree. And,
1: and that is like if if a company you know you know, God forbid they it's not like it's not happening. But like if they were too cultural appropriate or use another culture's item for their own benefit, at least have the, you know, decency to include a little bit of the excerpt of uh, you know, a historically accurate representation of what that's from. You know, at least have that, you know, respect there. But, you know, that often. So
0: fortunate all people are welcome to appreciate different people's cultures and i think that's a beautiful thing i think part of the education process and learning process is immersing ourselves in different cultures whether it be by talking to people of different ethnicities um or just people of different walks of life and learning their experiences and listening to them. And of course, doing your own research, reading upon, you know, like the history of the world. I mean, if you even care to, I think that exposing yourself to a reality that is outside your own bubble of reality is so important that in that way you would be able to fully appreciate another person's culture instead of just like ripping it off and then rebranding it and profiting it off of it like for your own benefit you know
1: yeah I think of course there's a lot of um, there's a certain term that goes around like gatekeeping obviously you know not really gatekeeping the culture, but more so it's just asking for a level of respect for the culture. Because oftentimes, if done wrong, there is this very fine line between, not even a very fine line, it's a very clear line, between respectful and taking whatever of this cultural origin, and then taking it and then putting a certain level of disrespect and saying that was not good enough. So let me change it so then that it's good enough for myself and whoever that supports me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And that is also different from saying, I'm taking this that I really appreciate. I'm going to tell myself, I'm going to educate myself and also those who support me that this is what made me fall in love with this and the reason why I want to emphasize the beauty that I, you know, really reflect uh, that really reflected on me and my views and how I want to share that with you through my own vision. Like, that's like a different thing.
0: Very beautifully put. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk about Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, OK. Yes. yes. I now, after watching this movie, I understand the impact that it made on my mom. And it definitely made an impact on me because how often growing up, you and I, have we seen Asian American actors and actresses and singers and people in Hollywood, people in the media, just people in the spotlight? How often did we see that? I only can recall a few people. Like, Jackie Chan, and then maybe London Tipton from Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. and oh, yeah, Brenda Song. Brenda Song, yeah.
1: Along with um, Jackie Chan in that generation, like, a little bit longer ago, was Bruce Lee.
0: Yes, yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> and we had, um, oh, I can't recall his name, but he acted in Star Trek,
0: I believe. Oh, okay.
1: Oh, actually, there was someone who that was like us that was in the time of when we were growing up that was very representative of Asians and it was he was a maze runner, I remember. Okay Um Keon Lee. Yeah. He was in Maze Runner, Mm -hmm. yeah. Only and he was in Maze Winner with Dylan O'Brien. I remember that. Um and then who else I'm trying to remember. But yeah. Stephen was- Yun
0: from Walking Dead. Oh, okay. Steven Yun. But yeah, that just goes to show that there was there's only a small handful of people we really saw like Asians in the spotlight that we saw growing up. It's just always nice to see someone representing us, someone that we can relate to, but I feel like now more than ever, and I'm really grateful for this, but because of Crazy Rich Asians, I feel like that opened the door a little bit. But especially with K-pop, sis, that's popping off. Like, yeah. K-pop, like, BTS, Blackpink. And these these K-pop bands are known worldwide and not even just in America. And it's so crazy that even here in America, people go crazy for BTS. Like, you and I saw it. We both went to the BTS concert. And because of that, a lot of people are exposed to not only more of Korean culture, but... Also, just Asian culture in general.
1: Mm-hmm. It's so it was surprising to me on how big K-pop become or has become, you know, because when I was in elementary school, that was like that wasn't even like first gen, first gen K-pop that I got into. Like the the generation that I got into K-pop was like Girls Generation, Super Junior, um, and. Um, TVXQ, I think it was a TVXQ or I I think I'm I'm missing one of the letters but uh, yeah, it was like that generation Big Bang, 21 it was that whole generation and there was a whole generation before that Mm -hmm. And, and groups like Wonder Girls, they collabed with artists that were outside of Korea and they came to the US for a US tour but you know, you never seen it become that big but then suddenly, you know I'm seeing a bunch of people of, of all ages, you know, listening to K-pop, listening to um, like any type of music that is was from like um, Asian countries, or even just like watching like Korean dramas or Chinese dramas. Yeah, it's, it's so weird to I'm like, wow, you you really enjoy it, and I'm like, and they're like, yeah, of course I enjoy it. I'm like, wow, it was so nice to see, so nice to see.
0: Yeah. It's it's a breath of fresh air, especially people who are not Asian singing Korean lyrics along to K-pop songs. I'm like, whoa. And people are really making an effort to learn Korean as a language, as a second language. And I've met people who know Tagalog words. Like, it's crazy. Tagalog Tagalog is the national language of the Philippines and Mm -hmm. I mean we don't have Filipino pop (laughs) we don't have like a global impact as much as Korean pop or anything like that but it kind of freaks me out when people who are not Filipino know about my culture and can actually say some words, and it freaks me out even more when they pronounce it correctly. Girl, it really does, and and not even like freak out. Like I don't mean like oh I'm freaked out like as in creeped out. I'm just shocked. I'm shook. Mm-hmm.
1: It reminds me of um I think it was 2013. I was on a plane to China, and there was a bunch of different people on that plane, but. I can assure you, everyone on that plane was speaking Chinese. Word. And I was just like, "Dang, huh? I
0: this." <laughs> and I kind of take that as a compliment. Like, it's just, I keep saying, "Oh, it's so nice to see. I'm happy to see it." But I'm genuinely elated to see, I know, yeah, that people are accepting of our culture and loving of it and our people are getting recognized and we're getting the recognition that we so lacked for so many years
1: Mm -hmm. i think it's the it's the happiness that we feel on that initial interest if you have an interest in anything you will you know put time into learning about it. The fact that someone is putting in time to learn about my culture that is already so hard to learn, it's like, wow, you're, you are you know, thank you.
0: Yeah, and that, going back to the point we made earlier when we were talking about cultural appropriation and, like, how immersing yourself and getting to know someone else's culture is really key. Another part we didn't talk about was this sense of belonging on both sides so obviously maybe to many white americans i am seen as a foreigner and i've even been told go back to your own country but to my people back in the philippines i am not a part of them because i was born and raised here i can't even speak tagalog I'm culturally American, but here I'm culturally also Filipino. So there's that kind of dilemma of where do I belong? Where do I stand?
1: You stand as an Asian American. You stand as a Filipino American.
0: And I think about it like this. I'm proud to be Filipino and American. I am not one over the other. I am both. It's like an Oreo. (laughs) If you take away the cream on the inside, it's just two chocolate biscuits. But if you take away the two biscuits, it's just cream. You have to have both. And that's exactly what I am. And I'm proud of it.
1: Oreo, please sponsor Alyssa's Life. Alyssa's Life. Alyssa quick. Thank you. (laughs) Even for... Not that I'm, you know, putting myself saying that I'm better than anyone or anything. But... I I like to recognize that I am pretty fluent in Mandarin and I can speak to a native Chinese person and they wouldn't know within the first 10 minutes of me talking to them that I was born here in the United States um, until I tell them that I, I am, in fact, born here. And they would be surprised and be like, wow, you know Chinese so well. And I guess that's like a little bit of a, you know... You know, proud moment. But when I, even though I am so, I guess, informed and educated on that area, within just Chinese culture itself and knowing how to speak the, the language, the beauty behind the language, and all that, when I go back to China, you know, people view me as, oh, you grew up outside. And now it has changed a lot because there are um, a lot of. You know Chinese people going. You know all they're all over the world, um, and you know there's a lot of foreigners. Foreigners, as in like Chinese people from outside of China moving back into China, and so it's it's becoming a little bit more common. But when I went back in like 2013, it was like you're not Chinese. you're you're chinese uh you're american yeah and so like i I was like no no i understand you know i I understand all the all the current slangs at that time i know all of your tv shows all of your variety shows i know about the movies and i know i know about the current culture i understand what you guys are talking about like no no you don't though Mm -hmm. and it was very weird to experience that even in america too like seeing Mm -hmm. mainland people um you know, speak to me. A lot of them, you know, are very accepting, but there's also those who are—they they like to keep to themselves. Um, it's not even just Asians; it's just you know, everyone yeah, of, um, of any type of group. You kind of like keep within your own kind. So I was not perceived as you know their kind, and so I was with the Asian Americans, mm-hmm. and as you know, outside of these Asian American groups, I was perceived as non-american because i was i looked asian and they thought that you know i wasn't from america until Mm -hmm. i opened my mouth and they're like oh okay she can speak english
0: if i could describe what it means to me growing up asian american in the united states in one word i would call it acceptance now i want to ask you in one word How would you describe what it means to be Asian American in the United States?
1: Good question.
0: Bright. Beautiful. Beautiful. You guys heard it first. Thank you so much, Elena, for joining me in this episode. These were really complex topics to speak about. It's not easy to share our own personal experiences, but... I felt the need to and I feel that other people need to listen to other people's experiences and this is a great way and so thank you for listening Elena do you have any last words
1: everybody please go follow all of Alyssa Roquin's social media and please listen in all her podcast episodes I still need to catch up however I know they would be great and um, also, please, who did do, who, who do we uh, bring up the Oreo, please sponsor her. <laughs> uh, and everyone, um, Happy New Year's.
0: Happy New Year's, everybody. All righty. Thank you for listening to this episode. I'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.